Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Welcome back, listeners. We have another fantastic guest for you. Carolina, do you want to introduce our guest and I'll introduce our tea today? Yes, absolutely. Today we have the lovely Noam Kroll on the show. Hi, Noam. Welcome. Thank you guys again for having me. Excited to be here. Great. Thank you for coming. You know, had a baby and did a feature film, and we are so blessed that he found some time (laughs) to come out and have tea with us. It's great. I can't turn down a good cup of uh, detox tea. So glad to be here. (laughs) Yes. What what detox tea are we sporting today? Um, So we have Yogi brand. It Mm -hmm. is roasted dandelion (laughs) spice and. It's really good because it's like it's good for you, but it's not some crazy like weight loss detox because I've drank those and they have some after effects the next day. Yeah, <laughs> they that. This tea is do. not like that. It's just really it's good for you. It's mild too. Yeah. It's very mild. Exactly. Are you a tea drinker? Now? I am. I was saying, I think before before you got here, uh, I don't really drink coffee, so I'm tea. I'm on oh, a lot of lovely. matcha these days, but yes. I like green tea. <laughs> I'll take a detox. To any tea is good. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Noam, uh, for those of you who have not heard about how fabulous he is, he's the founder of Creative Rebellion Production Company. He's a filmmaker, blogger, has a podcast as well. I love his website setup. If you guys well, we'll he'll do a shout out later um, where to find it all. But it's super informative, informative. Uh, for you independent filmmakers out there. And that's why we're so excited to have him on the show. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you even get into filmmaking and what brought you to to Creative yeah. Rebellion, making that happen for, sure. for you? So yeah, Creative Rebellion was, in a sense, kind of the first like professional version of, of what I was doing. And I think like a lot of people who work in film started early. I was always into cameras and everything when I was younger, acting, photography, music, learned guitar. Mm-hmm. I was just sort of into creative stuff. And I didn't really know exactly what that would turn into. Studied psychology in university. <laughs> um, Me too. So... Why does everyone do that? <laughs> it's so funny. It's because we're all crazy. We can't yeah, help it. We are. And I know for me, someone actually told me, a director, I, I used to act in commercials when I was like 13. I was in some pretty, pretty like big com- national commercials. Mm-hmm. And there was a director I spoke with. And I said, I really, you know, want to be more behind the scenes. Should I go to film school? And this guy just, I don't know if he just got burned badly or what it was, but he just like instilled such a bad fear in me about going to film school. He's like, don't go. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it on the side. Mm-hmm. Studied psychology. I was like shooting short films while I was in university in Toronto, where I'm from. And then uh, I formed eventually Creative Rebellion as my first production company because 
um, I just I was always a very DIY sort of person. Mm -hmm. So uh, and kind of more entrepreneurial for better or for worse. So I didn't um, I didn't really thrive in like a, a production company environment where I was sort of climbing the ranks. I, I dabbled mm -hmm. in that a little bit and I worked in a post uh, facility in Toronto, uh, but it just wasn't really for me. So formed this production company, um, eventually, uh, you know, started gaining some more traction with it brought the business and myself down to LA, which took a little while. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then just kept going from there. And the goal was always have this production company where I can make great content for other people and essentially be a service production company, mm -hmm. um, but then also create my own original content and sort of find ways to leverage those two things to strengthen uh, each other, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of having your own company is you can do what you want, you know, whether that is other people's projects, your own projects or both. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's always what appealed to me about it was just having that, um, yeah, having the freedom and being able to exercise both sides, because although I was really into business, I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. like applying a lot of those principles to the creative facets of filmmaking, like even mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's taken me a long time to start really thinking about marketability and and building uh, projects that are essentially businesses in themselves as opposed to just strictly art, whatever I want to do with them. And I still wrestle with that. Um, and it's sort of, you know, so I feel like splitting off into these two areas was a good way for me to like initially compartmentalize what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're also doing, is it a blog and a podcast or those are kind of the same? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I yeah, they're two separate things, but I do funnel the podcast uh, through my blog okay. uh, just to sort of it's because it's a similar audience. Um, I was uh, telling you before, I'm taking a brief hiatus just for the summer from the podcast. Um and uh, but I, I'm around episode, I think, 75 now okay, and um, probably similar, you know, to, to what you guys are talking about, but just slightly different spins, slightly different guests, but definitely in the same wheelhouse. And then my main blog, gnomecroll.com, is just sort of the hub for sharing, you know, thoughts on things, reviews on cameras, uh, you know, uh, any news on films I'm working on. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of what, you know, where everything, uh, I guess, funnels through. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, with Creative Rebellion, um, try to just stick to a specific kind of film that you help produce or like, or do you open it up to commercial at all? Like, how did you figure that out? Yeah. So I was curious. it's actually almost entirely commercial. So there was a period where we were doing a lot of post-production on narrative films. Um, but just in terms of it being a business and a viable and profitable business, uh, the corporate and commercial world uh, for me has been far more lucrative in terms of the investment of my own personal time, their budgets, what their expectations are and so forth. So really my narrative efforts um, at this point are really on my own projects that I'm developing either mm -hmm. as a director or producer um, or usually both. Uh, but yeah, as far as Creative Rebellion goes, at this point, it's really commercial driven. So we okay. work with a lot of larger companies. We've worked with uh, Google and we're working on a project with Warner Brothers right now. So we do a lot of that, but we also work with, um, you know, artists who are promoting an album or, you know, mm -hmm. independent uh, people that sort of need, uh, whether it's a, a fashion label they're running or whatever it is, and they need some sort of content to back that up. So mm. it's, uh, you know, again, very different from the narrative stuff, but just kind of sharing the same toys and the same crew and that sort of thing. Yeah. But the narrative stuff is under Creative Rebellion as well, or you 
trying to also branch something else off there. so it technically it is in terms of i i actually you know because my production company is insured and we have all that infrastructure technically i do run it through there but Makes i actually am, <laughs> yeah. now that we're we're getting into more content more actively uh especially with my my current feature that we're almost uh finished editing right now um, but now eventually it's going to kind of branch off into what I'm going to call artistic uprising, which is basically just the, you know, uh, for obvious reasons, the name is sort of like a mirror of creative <laughs> rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be what I'll ultimately release these films through that label. But for now, um, yeah, legally. And as far as like insurance, oh, all yeah. that stuff, Makes sense. It, yeah, it, it just, it's, it's a small company at the end of the day. So there's just a lot kind of running through it. Nice. No, that is awesome. And like, I know this is not really a simple question, but kind of like, how did you get where you are today with the success you have? Like, did you really get started in Toronto and then move out here? Did you meet people out here? And that's what really got you started. Like, how did that all work? Yeah, I I think in a sense, having to work in a small market like Toronto actually really helped me. I always wanted to live in LA, but I don't have family here. So I had to and you know, I'm not uh, a U.S. citizen, so I had to get a green card. So it was a very long path for me to sort of get down here. Um, but the good part of that was in Toronto, because it's such a small market, everyone has to really get good at whatever they do. Not to say I was amazing or you know best at anything but i had to really challenge myself to uh like be that much better than i probably would have been otherwise Mm -hmm. if i didn't have to like petition to get myself down here in a way that was quite difficult um so once i got here i actually felt like i had a bit of a running start i didn't know anybody had really no connections here for work other than a couple of people I worked with in the past, but I Mm -hmm. haven't worked with them since. Um, But it was, uh, you know, I think what helped me was like having to work in overdrive because then when I got here, it felt like the first couple of years, everything was a little easier and there was so much more work and, you know, things just really clicked as soon as I got here. But I also left behind a tremendous amount of work. So it was Mm -hmm. a a huge gamble, but one that I was I was wanting to take at the time for sure. I mean, that's great that you at least like hit the ground running, because I feel like a lot of people when they move to L.A., they're like they have no idea what to do. It takes them years to figure it out, you know, yeah. so. And that's OK, too, because I think some people figure it out early and then they hit a lull later. And mm-hmm. some people take, you know, everyone has their ups and downs uh, and uh, some so much of it's luck. I met people in the first few weeks here by chance that I still work with to this day where, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, it's that's it's cool. insane. Yeah. yeah so, insane. yeah. So it's always luck. But I think if you're going to do it, if anyone's listening that's thinking about moving here i think you just have to want to do it regardless like Mm -hmm. you can't go thinking something's going to happen i always said like i would rather be living in you know a smaller place i'd rather be literally on like a cardboard box (laughs) on like venice beach or something uh because i i loved it here so i think you have to kind of go in with that attitude and that can help a lot and just trying to make things happen any way you can like you know i'm sure by I am like you know laws of attraction whatever you just putting your energy out there you, it, I I totally believe in that you're you'll attract the right people you'll kind of yes. start as you work through things that's always been yeah the, a through line in and something I've learned and relearned over again is like just let things come to you and and focus on be getting you know better at better, whatever it is you want to do put in the time, put in the effort, create your own opportunities. And then other people will recognize that. And it's so much easier 
you know, like for just to use an analogy from like business, if I'm working with a client on the commercial end, uh, if it, and we don't do sales, but let's say we did outbound sales and we somehow had a sales meeting with a client, we're so much less likely to get that client than if they saw our work and they called us because they said, oh, this cool Vimeo thing that I saw like mm-hmm. has a million views and it looks so cool. And, you know, those are the sort of things that I like doing because I don't feel like I'm asking anyone for something. I'm just sort of doing work that excites me. And then hopefully people that I would want to work with are, are going to be attracted to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you market yourself um, as a director when you first came out here or producer? What what was what were you going for when you first came out here? So honestly, all I was going for was <laughs> was just money, like whatever I could yeah. get, you know, <laughs> Stripper. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. So so I, I, I mean, my thing with directing is I have no ego at all when it comes to like if i do a commercial project even a lot of times when i am the director i don't even tell people i'm the director i don't even think of myself as that because it's so collaborative and it's Mm -hmm. so like i don't need to say i'm something to sort of feel that so when i first Uh moved to la i think that was a, a bit of a benefit in that like I would basically anyone I met, whatever skill I had, that's what I was to them. So, yeah. you know, if I met someone who needed a DP, I said, great, I have a, you know, C100 camera or I have a black mm-hmm. magic, you know, I'm a DP. And that was kind of true because I had DP stuff, but I was also a colorist, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then that took me on these crazy journeys. And, you know, that's always been what I've done. I've always sort of been a jack of all trades. And I think how I got to directing was actually realizing that, um, if you're a jack of all trades, directing or probably to an extent producing are actually areas where you can thrive because as a director, you get to be involved in writing and editing and shooting, casting, mm-hmm. like every part of it. And I love all of it. So I think for me, I did all of it and I still do all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, love and it. Uh, I, I think I'll probably always be like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the nature of independent filmmaking, you know, like exactly. you kind of you kind of have to do all you of have that, to. but sometimes yeah. you actually love doing all of it, too, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was totally going to be one of my questions for you is like, which of all the things you do, do you love the most? Um, yeah. Do you have a particular favorite? Oh, for sure. I mean, directing and in particular directing actors is my mm-hmm. favorite thing in the world to do um i love working with actors like i i I love you know my favorite part of making our movie our last movie really was um was the rehearsals just because it's you get so much time with the actors and we actually only did we didn't have much rehearsal time at all but the little bit that we had was so fun um so you know if i could only do one thing that would be for sure the thing i would pick um but at the same time i enjoy like learning all these other skills mm-hmm. and continuing to let those inform my other choices because i think you know like as an analogy i i play guitar and i i don't play professionally but i i play so much every single day i'll play for maybe an hour or two on the guitar um and there's things that i've learned musically that help me with editing or that help me with like uh composing a structure for a Mm -hmm. story so i think having a lot of skills can really benefit you and a lot of times people you know almost make it seem like it's a hindrance but i think if you leverage them the right way it can it can be an opportunity 
Yeah. I mean, we talk about this a lot on the show. Like Mm -hmm. the more you know about every area, even if you're not like doing it, if you're hiring someone to do that, you can still speak to them in their language, you know, and get exactly your idea across and they'll know exactly what to do with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps you complete your vision too, as a whole. Like if you kind of like with, with the music, there's movement there, there's movement in the acting, the pacing of the story, like Mm -hmm. all of that connects and, and, knowing all those components you mm-hmm. kind of put together a masterpiece yes and a it, symphony. <laughs> it's true and i think it activates um uh, the same part of your brain like there, when you're being creative in anything i think it's like it really is a muscle and i think people often think like creativity is this well that will dry up when you use it but it's really the opposite like the more creative you are the more creative you become and i think that does it doesn't matter what you're doing you could be you know writing uh, a, a poetry you could be you know shooting a movie it doesn't really matter it's sort of just tapping into this um almost like you know creative like psychic thing that you have to get into this zone and if you can get in there whatever is going to get you in there you know i i I would try to find that channel so uh, i try it with so many different things i guess (laughs) yeah uh and and some work better than others i guess but it's like another muscle that i think helps too it's not something that's going to dry up it's something if you like any anything you know Mm -hmm. you do every day challenge yourself i mean with independent filmmaking we have to be creative we are almost Mm -hmm. forced to be yeah given limitations which can actually be a beautiful thing yes yeah um you just discover things in a different way and, and um i think for independent filmmakers out there yeah. they shouldn't look at that as a negative ever no i i couldn't agree more i um i've written about this a lot on my blog but limitations to me are one of the best things in filmmaking because i don't think i could do any I could get anything done if I didn't box myself in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I don't Mm -hmm. mean thinking like inside the box in that sense, but just drawing parameters and boundaries for yourself. Because otherwise, if you could do everything, you'll have a 12 hour movie that is all over the place. (laughs) You know, you have to sort of limit yourself to a certain, you know, set of characters or style or theme or, you know, start boxing yourself in. And then you can really like play within those lines. So, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. So on that note, tell us a little bit about your feature that you're, you said you're almost finished with editing at this point. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's almost, uh, it's almost done for this version, at least for festivals. Mm-hmm. And then depending on how things go throughout that process, if uh, we may start doing like some test screenings and things like that. So that may inform some future cuts, but um, we shot so little and I'll get into the specifics in the movie in a second. But um, just on that note, I mean, we shot so uh, little in terms of our shooting schedule is nine days. We're like ev- almost everything we shot we're using. And thankfully, you know, the crew did such an amazing job and the actors of just nailing everything. So it works amazingly. Mm-hmm. Shout but, out to Matteo Bertoli, if you guys remember him. Yeah, last yes, season. from last season, I, yeah. I hear. And he was, yeah, he was uh, really incredible on set and, and his work just speaks for itself on the film. And uh, and was such a positive force, too, as I'm Mm -hmm. sure you guys know from being with him. So, um, you know, it was uh, anyway. So we're using almost everything that we have and it's working really well. So there may be some other cuts, but I don't see it changing dramatically um as far That's as good yeah i mean Congrats. it can't <laughs> well it was it still it took can't. time to get yeah it can't it's, it's, so for better or for worse um no i mean there's some things we could do uh but it's 
it's really one of the first projects I've worked on where I got to this point and I was still happy with it. Almost everything <laughs> else I've ever done, uh, I get to a certain point and I just I can't look at it anymore. Even if it's something that I later look at and I say, mm -hmm. you know what, that wasn't so bad or that was actually pretty good. It, it, there's just something about being so involved in every stage. You know, I wrote it. I, I, you know, obviously produced it. It was so low budget. So I'm wearing so many hats, mm -hmm. casting. I'm, you know, editing the whole movie. I'm coloring and I'm doing a lot of the sound. Now we're having someone else come in to finish up the sound. But I've seen and heard basically, you know, every frame of this yeah. movie a million times. So if I still like don't hate it now, <laughs> you know, <then laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> I think that's a good sign. Yeah, that's that's what I'm I'm crossing my fingers for. And and by the way, so the movie itself is about um, this woman Alice who gets a heart transplant and she experiences something uh, called cellular memory or body memory. Where uh, and this is a real phenomenon that people experience um and you know scientists have have often tried to like debate it but basically <laughs> the thing you know a lot of people go come out of these major surgeries where they get a new organ and they start experiencing you know tastes and memories and visions and things that mm -hmm. can only really be attributed to the other person whose organ they have who's wow. you know now dead so this woman gets this organ and she uh basically goes on this journey to sort of figure out who this other person is that she feels like is living in her and like oh coming out of her I pores <laughs> and, yeah but it's also super you know dark and it's not a horror film but it kind of dances in that territory mm -hmm. okay. uh because the the you know the woman who died um was uh, you know, you you learn throughout the film like she was a a, a very dark person herself. So, <laughs> so that's sort of the gist of it. That is so yeah. It sounds really interesting. Unique. I'm excited I to see yeah. that. And it's uh, just for anyone listening to Psychosynthesis is the name, which everyone gives me a, a hard time about, but just because it's such a mouthful, but. Um, but yes. yeah, I wasn't going to try and say no, 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 no. It. I was like <laughs> no. waiting. Yeah, everyone says that. You have to say it. For... And we changed the name. Originally, it was called White Crow. And then Ralph Fiennes came out with a movie this year called The White Crow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoops. All these people started following our, our Twitter account, like writing messages, thinking <laughs> like showing tickets from like the premiere. Yeah. And then oh I goodness. said, OK, we better change it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's psychosynthesis, which is, uh, you know, this terminal It's a word I came up with. And I thought it, that sounds like it would mean the right thing. And I looked it up and it actually <laughs> meant the right thing. So, <laughs> yeah, so. I love it when that happens. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think we I make up words, words like that on every the podcast. Time yeah. On the podcast. I'm like, Tessa, is that that sounds right? And I'm going to stick with it. But that's what's cool about even like screenwriting, like where, where I'm at right now. I think I'm totally making up like phrases and words and I love it and I'm fine with it. And if anyone yeah. wants to fight me on it, fine. No, do it. It's better that and way. Dictionary.com yeah. is still my best friend and I use it, but like let me do my thing sometimes. Yeah. Okay. No, the more the more original, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, your website, the name of your podcast, all that kind of stuff. Any social media, all like that that you want to share. For sure. So my uh, main website is noamkroll.com, N-O-A-M-K-R-O-L-L.com. And everything with me is a little tricky to spell. The movie <laughs> is Psychosynthesis. So it's like psycho and synthesis. One word, though. Um, and I love uh, the title, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you. Don't, no, no, people really like it, I do. but I just get. Um, and I, that's I how I thought really it would be pronounced. It. By the way, yeah. I, I wasn't questioning. I just was more scared of my 
it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not sure that I I have it right. I think I have it right, but um, but psychosynthesis <laughs> and uh, and yeah, if you just Google it or go on my um on my main gnomecrawl.com, there's social media and stuff for that. And in the future, we're actually going to start doing some behind the scenes. We shot like this whole behind the scenes documentary, nice. and it was a cool process because it was only you know like ten person crew, nine mm-hmm. days full feature. So, uh, so that's going to be on some of the social media and then my personal social media Which handle. Which congrats. That's like a lot yeah. of, that's a lot to accomplish it, in nine it was, days. It was yeah. a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we didn't need any like pickup shots or anything. I, it was the last movie I did, it was 12 and we needed like four days of pickups and mm-hmm. even those like didn't work out that well. So. But I mean, that's more the norm. Like. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, <laughs> so, you know, we were, we were fortunate on this one, but, um, but yeah, so all that, uh, you know, Insta website, handle? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is all just my name, one word, Noam Kroll. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that covers it. Creative Rebellion. If anyone, uh, needs to look at that site, it's more <laughs> on the commercial side, but, uh, it's just hey. creativerebellion.com. Awesome. And your podcast and blog are through your website too? Yes. So Show Don't Tell is the name of the podcast. So you can just find it wherever you listen to podcasts. But it's also linked in through my my blog too. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, cheers. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys. I, I just finished my tea right in time. So. <laughs> Perfect. A long distance cheers you yeah, over here. <laughs> I think we can almost. Oh, oh, oh there we go. Oh, there we go. go. Oh, thank you guys so much. This was super fun. I appreciate oh, you having yeah, absolutely. me. Absolutely. We had a great time with you. And thank you listeners for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at FemRegard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 